while you're turning to Philippians chapter 4. Let me just say that um, there is really no way for me to express to you the love that Michael and Terry have for you, their church family. And um, I know and we know that the last several months especially have been moving us toward this moment and as a matter of fact the very reason that I am going to take just a very few moments to bring you these closing thoughts from this passage of scripture is because this scripture is tailor-made in its description of our pastor of this church And uh, you'll understand that as we look at it over the next few minutes. I want to make an appeal to you. let's, Let's do this right. In every aspect, let's do this right. Let's honor God. Let's honor the pastor and his wife. Let's honor our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for the church. Together, let's do this right. I have, um, I have preached in literally hundreds of Southern Baptist churches. The last year that I was with International Mission Board, I preached in 55 churches in 52 weeks, if you can imagine it. I don't know of any church that has consistently been a model for the rest of the churches to a greater extent than Sherwood Baptist Church. The ministry of prayer, missions, giving, local concern, global outreach, raising up young Timothys to go around the world, sending out missionaries to the far corners of this world, loving one another. Worshiping, I turned to Diana a few moments ago and I said, boy, I have missed this. Just to sit here and be bathed by the music of the choir and Mark and these instrumentalists and I have, I think all of us have. So Sherwood has been an example, a model in so many arenas of church life. Now, you are being called, we are being called upon to provide for churches across the country and around the world an example of how it can be done right in a world where so often it is done incorrectly. At the close of this message this evening, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you will make a resolve. Resolve is the final message 
of this six-message series from Philippians. And I'm going to ask you to stand. There, there are three parts to this resolve. I'll explain it in just a very few moments. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God will hold each of us in the palm of his hand, but then also that he will hold us faithful as we walk through the days ahead. And we're going to pray for leadership teams who, who in all their different aspects of leadership must perform as unto the Lord. And we're going to pray that God will give us a quiet spirit and simple and understanding hearts. We don't need more uh, agitation. What we need is this model of the way God does things that he does all things well. There's no reason for it to be any other way than that. And if you, if you love the Lord, then I'm going to ask you to go above and beyond in every aspect of your dedication to him. You do things when you love people that you, that you normally wouldn't do, right? Coming down here Friday, we got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, left the house at 4. You loved that, didn't you, sweetheart? <laughs> we were off the ground at 6 o'clock, and we were in the air. And I don't know whether it goes with becoming, I'm not older, I'm just more experienced. But I... I uh, for some reason, sitting there with the cold air blowing, and they have the vents on because of COVID. They want to keep everything. I think if they'd opened a window, we'd all blown out. They, they had the vents on. And, and I'll be honest, I got a little cold. I got a, in fact, I had goosebumps. I just thought, I'm not comfortable. And I thought, we've got a two-hour flight ahead of us. And I had prepared for that. So I reached down underneath the seat in front of me, and I pulled out my briefcase and I pulled out a jacket that I had brought with me for this occasion. And I took it out and I handed it to Diana and I zipped up my briefcase and pushed my briefcase back under the seat and I looked over and she had unzipped the, the little jacket and put it over her knees and legs and was sitting there <laughs> like that. And she said, thank you, sweetheart. That was, that was so thoughtful. I said, Think nothing of it. I... <laughs> you do things for people you love that you normally wouldn't do, right? Do you love Jesus? Do you? This is his church. So let's go above and beyond. If we were ever gracious, let's be more gracious. If we were ever generous, let's be more generous. If we were ever visionary, let's be more visionary. If we were ever accepting, let's be more accepting. Ever prayerful, oh, what a time to be prayerful. Ever submissive to leadership, then let's be submissive to leadership. Let's do it right, okay? And I think you'll understand that that was right in the heart of the Apostle Paul's closing words to this section of the book of Philippians. So you have your Bible open to chapter 4, 
And over the last few days, we've talked about how to be steady in your storm. Now, it may be now that some of the reasons for these messages is coming clear to you. Why would Brother Tom preach about that and about those things? Well, I had just a, a little bit of prior knowledge about all of this as Michael and I and Terry and Donna have prayed together. So what do we say? If you want to be steady in your storm, the first thing you have to do is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in uh, the opening verse of our passage. And then we are to reflect. What did the next verse say? Verse 5. He says, let your gentle spirit be known unto all people. The Lord's in the room. So reflect on the deep issues at hand. What, what's really happening? What are the deep issues? And then we're to request. Look at the next verse. He says there that uh, be we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, we're to let our request be made known unto God. And then we see that the next issue was that the one of receiving. He said, and what does God give us? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will keep your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then in the last uh, message from this series, we said we are to restrict. In other words, we're to restrict our thinking, restrict our focus upon certain things. You see there those words in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true and honorable and right, whatsoever things are, are lovely, whatsoever things are pure and of good report, whatever things are excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So you've got all kinds of stuff you can think about. And believe me, the world and even your best friends will give you other stuff to think about. But he said, think on these things. This is the plumb line against your tier to measure all of your thinking. And now we come to this last verse, verse 9. And I've titled this Resolve. Remaining faithful. Remaining fervent, rather, in your faith. Resolve. How to remain fervent in your faith. And here the Apostle Paul says the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Think about our pastor, not the Apostle Paul. Think about Brother Michael. Over the years, the things that you have learned and not just head knowledge, but you've received them. They became heart to you. The things you've heard, and then you watched me. You've seen them in me. Practice these things. That's what he would say to us if he were standing here right now. Practice those things. I've given my life to sharing these things. Practice those things. And notice he says here, earlier he said, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And now he says, and the God of peace. So we have the peace of God and the God of peace will be with you. I'd like for you to listen very, very carefully for a very few but important minutes. 
I'm going to ask you to resolve to do three things between now and when the next shepherd arrives on the scene here. The first thing I want to ask you to do is this. I'm going to ask you to be deliberate in the development of your faith. To be deliberate in the development of your faith. Don't quit learning. Don't quit doing whatever you need to do to gain truth and insight from the Scripture. Notice he says here, there are things which you have learned. There are things which you learned that you just put aside and thought, that's interesting, but other things you received, things you heard, things you were seeing. He's complimenting them. He's saying, for you, this Christian life was a serious business. And so I suppose what I'm asking you to do is to be serious about your faith. To be determined in the development of your faith. Go on with the Lord. Keep learning. If you're in a, a study group, be there. Be in worship. Be attentive. I'm afraid many people during this pandemic, and we have, have a lot of people who say, well, you know, we're reaching a lot of, well, we may be. I think we are. But I also think that there are people in the midst of this who have sort of set their Christian faith to the side. Nobody knows whether they're really watching or not. Maybe that's you. Or they just sit in a setting like this and in some way are unattentive. My mother uh, did me a favor I said, I highly suggest this. She did this for all of her children. I, for mine, I can go back in my Bibles and find verses for my children. But she wrote in her Bible, beside 2 Timothy 2.15, my name, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or examining the word of God, the word of truth. And she would point that verse out to me and show me, it said, Tommy. And she had my birthday, February 21, 1944, in case you're interested <laughs> and want to send me a birthday card. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Too late. But she would point that out to me and she said, Tommy, this has been my prayer for you. Does anybody do that for you? Did your mom, your dad? You said, well, why don't you be the first in line? Why don't you start this for somebody? Go to them and say, God has spoken to my heart. Here is a, is a verse of Scripture that I have for you. What does that verse say? Make this matter of your Christian faith serious business to you. It's not something that you attend. It's not mostly about um, you coming someplace and enjoying something. Make a, make a study of it. God has given us the flawless scripture to which we must bring our faithful study. That's what, that's what this is about. Listen, there are people all over this world who, who would die 
to have the opportunities you and I have to study the Scripture. I went out into a, a desolate area of the African nation of Zimbabwe when we were living there. There was a famine, really. Um, they had moved people away from a river, the Zambezi River. They had created a lake, and the people who had lived by the river kept moving back and moving back, and finally they were in other tribal areas, and they were not welcome there. And so the government had just, had just moved them, uh, thousands of them, to a place that was just desolate. There was no water. All the things that they had grown up, they could not do it. And because of people like you and your faithfulness, we were there teaching the Word of God. And I remember one day I looked up and coming up a path, pushing his bicycle with a white cloth that was dingy now with, from dust, and it was hanging on his uh, handlebar, which I assumed was his lunch. Uh, here, here came a man, and I asked somebody, I said, who is that? And he said, he he is a, a, a man who lives 22 miles is what it was about. They were in kilometers, but it was more, so it was more than that. But he said 22 miles is about what he, and he said he has come here to hear what you have to say. Do you think that put a burden on me? I mean, you've done a little sermon, some sermonette, a guy comes 22 miles pushing his bicycle. And so he came to the back of the group and he laid his bicycle over against a tree and then he got his lunch, which I thought that was good. You travel 22 miles, you want your lunch, right? So he got his lunch and he came over and sat on the ground and I thought, you know, I'm sort of hungry too. Maybe I could join him. And he opened it up, that white cloth, and it was his Bible. He hadn't eaten since he had left home. He had no plans to eat unless we fed him. He was hungry for the Word of God. So I'm just asking you. You know, sometimes they say about churches, and it, you could especially say this in, with Michael's last name, but they say, you know, when the cat's away, the mice turn to rats. Well, um, people, people can say that. And, and there's a little truth to it. Well, nobody really cares. We don't, I don't know who my pastor's going to be. I'm not sure I'm going to like that person. And, and this is a good time for, I've had, we've had the pandemic. This is a good time for us to coast a little bit. No. I'm asking you to resolve to be deliberate in the development of your faith. The second resolution. I'm asking you to resolve to be devoted to the duties in your faith. Or rather, I should say it this way, to be devoted in the duties of your faith, not just to the duties. You can be dutiful without being worshipful. Be devoted in the duties of your faith. Paul, Paul didn't just say, look, you... you believers in Philippi. You've learned these things. You've received these things. You've watched me. You, you, have, you, you've, you have done everything you can to grow. He says, now you do it. 
It's almost as if our pastor is saying, look, I have given you over 30 years of my life. Please do it. I have opened the Bible, over 2,000 sermons. Now let's do it. Let's do it together. Be devoted in the duties of your faith, not just to being dutiful. Okay, I was there. You can be here, but not here, right? Let, let the things you do draw you into deep worship before the Lord. I, I, when I went to Pastor First Southern in 1985, most of you all will not even remember what was going on in the country at that time. But I didn't realize that I had stepped into a situation where a church, during a time of great uh, financial blessing in our nation at that moment, that the church and, and it had grown and had built this massive facility, but almost in a heartbeat, things had turned upside down. 32 banks failed in our community. 32 banks turned upside down and went out of business. I mean, we're talking about a major 9% of our population left. Oil dropped down to $8 a barrel from its, you know, and we were an oil-based economy from $90 to $100 to $8 a barrel. I mean, the bottom fell out. I'll tell you one thing that didn't change was that the massive debt that the church had, over $20 million of debt at 11 to 14% interest, nobody changed that. We still owed it, and we still owed it that interest. It was a debt so big that even the pulpit committee had not told me all about it. The church was unaware of it. It was not done surreptitiously or anything like that. It was just in the, in the spirit of the age, God's blessing, church moving forward. That's, that's what had happened, but that's where we found ourselves. And so, how do you deal with that? About a year and a half into that, it became obvious that um, we were going to have to make some massive adjustments. We did. And there came a time when, when everybody on our staff, 96 people, we, including yours truly, and I made the decision, everybody was laid off. That's just what we did. And like I say, it wasn't, it wasn't folly. It was, it was just every, the economy just cratered. Everybody was scratching the air. So I laid off everybody, including, including myself. I said, this is the only way we can do it. Well, in the process, of that, I, I wish I had the opportunity to tell you a wonderful story about how God used that to teach us a lot of things and to grow. But in the midst of that, um, all of us in the church had to start doing things that we weren't, we didn't normally do, right? And so I remember walking in to the church building early one Monday morning, and there was a, our senior adults took over the auditorium. They said, this is our job. We're going to, this is going to be immaculate. We are, and I'm telling you what, those little ladies, they would get down in clean spots that nobody ever even knew or existed. And so 
I walked in, and there they were. And, and they would get, of course, they were senior adults, and we senior adults get up at 3.30 about every morning. And so they were at church by 4, and they had their job done and were out of Dodge by about 7.30 and had breakfast together and went home to take a nap. And so, so that, that's just the way it was. So I, I got to the auditorium early, and there was a lady there. Her name was Hazel. I said, and she was, she was literally down about to get down on her knees and get some paper off the floor behind one of these pews and she was dusting it and I said Hazel I you know I'm so impressed you come every Monday morning and do this she said oh brother Tom this is wonderful she said did you know that as I'm dusting each I pray Lord save somebody here Sunday Lord save somebody here Sunday Lord whoever sits here I pray that you'll heal their hurting heart Lord she said you know what she was she was devoted in her duty not just to a duty but in her duty now are you supposed to be dutiful yes James says faith without corresponding works is a dead faith. But are you supposed to be devoted? You heard me quote this morning, Matthew 15, verse 8. These people come near to me with their lips, but their heart is from, far from me. Jesus wants your heart. So if here's what I'm saying. If ever there was a time when you sucked it up and said, I have these assignments, this is what I'm involved in the church. Never have I been so faithful, but never have I had a greater cause to do that. This is important for me. I'm going to be devoted in the duties of my faith. And then here is this last resolve. Resolve to be discerning in the direction of your faith. Paul says, you do this. I know earlier I said the peace of God will be with you. Let me just tell you something. You get more than God's peace, you get God. The God of peace will be with you. Well, Brother Tom, what does that say? You know, the more you love God, the more you learn about him, the more you'll be able to tell whether he's there or not. Whether he's in it or not in it. See, the discernible presence of God encourages us while the absence of that discernible presence of God enlightens us. It tells us something's wrong. I am... Um, will help to tell you that it is easier to spot a serious Christian in a crowd than just, than you, you can spot a serious Christian quicker than you can spot whether somebody is a blonde or a brunette. Almost quicker than you discern whether somebody's a man or a woman, you can discern whether somebody is a serious believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a serious believer in the Lord Jesus Christ knows like that when God is in something and when he is not I've gone to churches to preach 
In fact, Donna and I were in one not too long ago. Honey, I don't know. As I recall, I turned to you and said, God is not here. I did not sense the presence of God was there. God is here. God is in you. God is with you. Every decision should, you make should be predicated on whether God is in it. Is God in this? You learn so much of God's Word, somebody stands up and says something, immediately you determine, you know, that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. It may be cute, but God's not in it. It may, be, it may be said in some kind of cryptic fashion that impresses you but, you, but but wait a minute. You know enough of the Word of God and enough of God to know that's not what God said. Nor is that You just know. The Holy Spirit gives you a sensitivity. I'm just asking you to be discerning in the direction of your life. Just don't swallow everything out there because see what happens when a pastor goes through a time of transition like this sometimes people say i know i have been so fed so well at that well at that church but you know maybe i ought to just drift around and check a few things out no listen god is here Don't, don't tickle your fancy or please your palate by saying, I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. If, you know what ought to happen during this time? The church ought to grow. The church ought to coalesce. The church ought to come together as never, ever before because here on a week-by-week -week basis, I can assure you, you will hear from the Lord God if you will listen. And if you will pray, be discerning in the direction of your life. Why not in this time be what the church has been in terms of prayer and missions and stewardship and outreach and interest? Why not join together and resolve to be deliberate in the development of your faith, to be devoted in the duties of your faith, and to be discerning in the direction of your faith. Those things, now listen, which over all these years you have learned and received and heard and actually seen in me said the Apostle Paul, practice those things. The God of peace will be with you. If those would be your resolves, would you stand with me, please? And we're going to pray together. Would you bow with me? 
While our heads are bowed, let me just say that after the benediction, and Garrett, are you going to share some things before we leave? After the benediction, we are going, we're going to depart this place. And Mark and the team will just sort of sing us out. But here at the front, there will be some men, Garrett and some will be here and others. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, please come talk to them. If you say, this sounds like it's crazy, but tonight, after hearing everything, I need to join this church. Well, then come tell them. I want to be a part of this church. If you have some other need, please come tell them. The big push, the big issue, the big matter that's on our hearts and minds now is whether we are seriously resolving to be serious Christians. To be determined in the development of our faith. How important is that? To be devoted in the duties of our faith. And to be discerning in the direction of our faith. As our pastor so faithfully taught us and illustrated for us. So, Father, we stand. We stand in resolve. Lord, we stand to pray, first of all, for one another, that each of these resolutions would be something to which we adhere, that you'll hold our feet to. Secondly, Lord, we pray for a faithful pastor and shepherd who have led us all these years, Lord. Things we have learned and received and heard and seen, we want to do those. Nothing we could do or be would more honor that ministry than that and honor you, Lord Jesus, than that. And Lord, we cry out to you, we pray for the person you, in all this world, the one person, the one man you have chosen and are preparing to be our leader. Oh, God, how we pray that you would make that transition for them so easy and so effective as we move to even greater vistas of ministry in the days ahead. Father, you've heard us mention different groups of people and leadership in our church. Lord, we lift them up, each one of them up. They play different roles. I know, Lord, that, that on the table for for this next week, there will be report and, and some sense of here's where we are and here's where we're going. And Lord, help us to be faithful, to be patient, should that be forthcoming. And Lord, should it require on their part even more prayer and intense and fervent discussion, Put faithfulness in our heart, Lord, and more intense prayer for these you've chosen to be our leaders at a time 
like this. Lord, we're eager for that, each of us. We're eager to see you at work in our midst. But Lord, we know you are eager for us to be at work and to be vessels in which you can pour the living spirit, the Holy Spirit, in ways we've never seen before. Oh, God, use us. Send us from here resolved, serious Christians. This world demands it, Lord. You deserve it. We're dedicating ourselves to it right now, Lord, as we stand to our feet. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your wonderful and precious and saving name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in a spirit of prayer.